Welcome to the Molding Private Practice Show, where we help healthcare practitioners in private practice keep true to their purpose and build a life of mastery by providing the knowledge, skills, and tools to bring their dreams to life. In this episode, we speak about keeping it real and being transparent. Hi, Shaz. Ready to go? Hi, Oliver. Ready to go. Well, it's been amazing because it's a few weeks into the show now, and I'm actually quite enjoying this. I mean, it's, um, you know, it's, it's quite cool in the sense of uh, being able to do this on a regular basis and, and pitch up and, and do the content. Um, and I'm hoping that lots of people find this beneficial. Um, you and I were on a phone or a Zoom session with a client this week, and I still remember what she said. You know, she said, you know, what, what people actually appreciate is, is being real. We actually asked her, so I'm hoping that she's on the show quite soon as well. But um, I like the idea of that. And, um, you know, irrespective of how it looks, how it sounds, um, I think the idea around keeping it real is, is definitely resonating with me. How about you? Definitely. I think keeping it real just means that it gives people that indication of exactly who we are. There's no airs and graces or frills what you see is what you get. And ultimately that's what people look for, you know, something that they know that they can rely on because what you're seeing isn't airbrushed and polished. It's exactly what you would see if you saw us in person. If you came and sat in our boardroom, you would see Chaz and Oliver exactly as you do on the show. Yeah. And and that's important because in life, we, we get to choose, you know, who we want to work with and who we trust with our, with our time and our money and our effort. And it's, and it's very important for people to kind of um, figure that out and, and say, is this for you or is this not? But when I heard, you know, one of our clients actually say the same thing, uh, it made me just kind of smile because I was like, yes, that's exactly what we, what we want to do as well. So it was, it was nice hearing her say, you know, people appreciate being real. So going to today's show, I thought we, we should talk about deep work in a private practice. And that sounds really weird because almost everyone thinks that the work that they're doing is important. And there's a very good test of this. Um, there's, there's multiple ways that you can test what type of work that you're doing and there's categorizations and stuff like that that, that's, um, that you can do. And the one is like, for instance, where you say, um, which I quite like, it's, you categorize your time in terms of important but, but urgent or important but not urgent and in non, non-important but urgent or non-important and non-urgent. And the whole idea behind that is that you can kind of see exactly how you're spending your time during the day and making sure that you're spending the time on the important stuff and obviously not the stuff that's, that's not important. And definitely, definitely not the stuff that's not important and not urgent. But as human beings, we, we gravitate towards the easy part. Um, and there's very few people. I mean, there's obviously exceptions in the world you know, where this is not the case. But for the large part, myself included, if I had the choice of doing something a lot easier and a lot more fun, I'm definitely going to choose the one that's, that's much more enjoyable and, and, not, and not work work uh, from that perspective. So the book that we referenced on this is called Deep Work and it's by an author called Carl Newport. And I'll go into that a little bit just now, but Shaz, from your side, is that your experience as well? Or are you one of those people that, that just get the, the important stuff done first? 
No, I'm I'm definitely not one of the people that gets the important stuff done first. Um, it's taken a long time and I have to consciously remind myself on a daily basis that, you know, it's easy to fall into the routine of just getting the quick and easy stuff out the way, the busy work. And the problem with that sometimes is that you do, you wind up with the important stuff piling up on a deadline and then you have to really crunch to get through. So I now try every morning when I plan out my day is almost exactly that. What is important and urgent? What needs to be done now? What's important but can wait until tomorrow? And then what's not that important but does also need to be done on a timeline and then try and work my day from there. Otherwise, you just pick up too many distractions and you revert back to that what's easy to do because it's quicker to get it out. Yeah, so my daughter is busy with exams at the moment. And I remember as a, as a kid, um, I would always leave things all the way until the end uh, for, for some reason. And every exam, I always like, made a promise to myself and said, you know, if I were consistently during the term or during the year, it would actually be a lot better. I wouldn't be as stressed. And needless to say, that never worked. Um, it did change a little bit when I was at Varsity because there was so much, I mean, the volume of work was crazy that I, I was a lot more consistent, but definitely not as consistent, I think, during school as I, as I probably could have been. But coming back to this, um, to this book um, in terms of referencing it, so what he talks about is deep work is rare, which obviously we just covered now. And then he says deep work is meaningful and that kind of makes sense as well. Um, and then he has four rules around this. He talks about working deeply. Then he talks about embracing boredom. And then he talks about quitting social media. And lastly, it's drain the shallows. And if I go through it just, just briefly, and then we can kind of talk about our personal experience and, and what we see from a private practice perspective. But the working deeply, what he talks about is if you get some stuff done that, that's really important. So if I relate that back to a private practice, if you're struggling to find patients and or finding the number of patients that you would like in your private practice to be able to earn the revenue that you want in your private practice, then that is probably the most important thing that you need to do. And if you break that even further, that would be pushing the boundaries in terms of understanding what is it that you need to do in order to, to be able to really move the needle in terms of getting new patients into your private practice. And that might not be the fun stuff like posting on social media. It might actually be the, the difficult part, like building up relationships with your referral network. Now that, if you had to give, give any practitioner the, the choice between doing a post on Facebook, which is not really too difficult to do, or finding new people in terms of other practitioners that they can kind of build relationships with, I think the, the answer would be obvious in terms of where, which option they would choose. And the challenge with this is that it's actually, the deep work is actually finding the stuff that's really going to move the needle in terms of what you want to achieve and then going and doing that. The fact that it's meaningful, I mean, that's kind of obvious. And, and if it's not meaningful, that means that that's, you're probably not spending the the right amount of effort or the right amount of time, or you haven't really identified the activities that constitute part of that deep work. If I talk about working deeply, what he talks about is almost setting aside time for yourself where you can actually find that flow state and where you can find that, 
that that state where you can actually get into the work and and make it meaningful for yourself and and get stuff done. Now, this is quite an important one because different people behave differently and work better in different scenarios and at different times. And it's such an art in terms of finding that that stuff out for yourself that no one can be quite prescriptive prescriptive about this. So for instance, I'm quite a late owl. So like I'll probably, although that's kind of changed when we had children, but so I do wake up earlier now as well. But um, if I had a choice, I would probably work late evenings and early mornings. And the rest of the time, you know, it's not definitely my flow state. Um, in terms of yourself, Shaz, is there a certain time that, that works for you? So I find the time that I'm probably the most productive is kind of between seven and nine in the morning. Then it tapers off. And I also do find I get a lot more done in the early evening as opposed to that midday kind of slump. So when I'm planning my day, I'm planning the most important stuff for early in the morning and then they're not so important for during the day and then whatever else needs to still be done can then be done in the evenings. Um, I'm definitely not a late night worker. Sometimes that, although sometimes you do need to work late at night, I prefer to try and get late night work being the scut work that's kind of needs to be done but isn't vital. And, you know, if it's done, it just takes it off your to-do list for tomorrow. So, yeah, early mornings and then evenings is definitely my peak time to get done. Yeah, I think it might be some of that IT background, but, you know, we would always work late. And uh, yeah, so for, for, for many years, it was the norm that you got to work late. So if you were in the office before nine o'clock, it was almost miraculous. And then most, most developers that I knew definitely stayed until six, seven o'clock in the evening. And it was never an issue to do that. And then later on as well, you know, past that. Um, so that's, that's where it kind of started for me. But, um, and now, I mean, I, I definitely, maybe it's also getting older, but I definitely find, you know, waking up in the morning and as long as you can get into the zone quite quickly, you do, I do get a lot more stuff done in terms of that. It also feels good. I mean, there was a, I don't, I don't know who the, the book was from, but I remember reading on this stuff and they say, it's actually better to do the stuff in the morning because then at least it's off your plate and you're not really constantly thinking about the fact that you need to get stuff done. And that kind of makes sense for me. And so if you look at most of the time management books, they talk about getting the big stuff done first. You know, um, there's a book actually called Eat the Frog and it's based on the same premise of you want to get the most difficult and the most, you know, the thing that you you hate doing or, or you know, you you kind of putting off that stuff done first and just getting it over and done with, and then you can kind of move on with your life. In terms of the other points, would you be able to go through them? Um, so we're talking about the um, rule number two, which is embracing boredom, the rule number three, which is quitting social media, and then lastly, drain the shallows. Sure. Okay, so quitting boredom, Really what he's, and embracing it, basically what he's getting at is there is stuff that you need to do every single day and it becomes mundane. It becomes second nature to do. And as humans, we tend to try and put that off because oh, I've got to do this again. 
But if that is what needs to be done to move the needle, then you need to embrace it. Stop looking at it as, I have to get this done. Look at it as, okay, so if I get this done, I can move on to the next thing. You know, I can keep moving that needle forward to the important stuff. You need to be able to realize that there is, it's building that habit of consistency and that habit of doing the same thing regularly and correctly ultimately is what moves you forward. Um, Yes, we are in very much a digital age. And unfortunately, even if we're using social media from as a business tool, you can get caught into that web very, very quickly. And you just quickly read this post and just quick. And before you know it, you've spent two hours scrolling through Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, and you actually haven't done any work. So the idea there is limit your social media time. Make sure that if you're on social media to post a post for work, that you're posting the post for your marketing and you are getting off social media and you're leaving that time to scroll through Facebook tonight when you get home. It's the same as using the internet. You know what? Don't use the internet for entertainment. Use the internet as a work tool, as a research tool, but it is so quick and easy to get caught in the Pinterest trap and the YouTube trap that you wind up, although you're at work and although you think you're being productive, you wind up losing so much time going down the rabbit hole of the latest cat videos on YouTube. And again, you lose two, three hours of your day without actually picking it up. So you need to make sure that you are limiting that social media and quitting it during working hours unless it is needed for work. Um, And I think that kind of resonates with most people. Our, Our biggest downfall is the fact that we have a smartphone. So, you know, you pick up your phone and you quickly scan through emails, but you're not actually focused on answering the email and dealing with a situation. We wind up going, okay, I'll get back to that now. And you lose that focus. So if you're going to work deeply, you need to make sure that you are cutting out the distractions. Um, Most people seem to take a break to kind of, you know, refocus. What he talks about in the book is instead of taking breaks to refocus, take breaks to work on your distractions. So you should be focused all the time when you're busy with with whatever task you're busy with. Take a break to distract yourself so that you can realign and go back. Humans have this nature of we take a break to try and refocus. And what he says there is the problem with that is you actually don't wind up refocusing. You just wind up getting further and further distracted. Um, Yeah, so that's the big one for me. Um, Cleaning out the shallows. That's just taking care of the everyday stuff that needs to be done. The longer you leave it, the worse it's going to get. It's like sweeping the dirt under the rug. Sooner or later, the rug has now got this bulge under it. And whereas if you'd taken 10 minutes every day to just sweep the room, you don't sit with this bulge under the rug. Every day it's done. The room is clean. The room is neat. That's the same in your work life. Answering emails needs to be done. Getting back to a client needs to be done. It's mundane, but if you don't do it, it piles up. And instead of having to reply to one email, you now have to reply to 50. So your time is then spent there and it's pulled away from the important stuff that needs to be done to move the needles forward. I like, I like how you summarize that. It, it 
was quite quite informative as well as actionable. Um, I, I do want to say, so from a Kitrin team perspective, what we started doing was actually using a time tracking software. And again, that sounds, sounds very policing-like, but it's actually worked so much in our favor. And even from a personal point of view, I mean, I never start anything at the moment without actually tracking the time and saying, how much of time did I actually spend on this? Because I found many years, many, sorry, not many years, many months ago, um, I think I mentioned it in, in previous episodes, I wanted to get back into the software development. And I found I wasn't really getting to that part. You know, it was always like business development related stuff, team management. It was maybe marketing or client management. But the software development, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't easily and accurately state that I was spending time on that. And if you don't spend the time on that, you, you can't really expect results. And I think that's a key part with this as well. What he's saying is that at least you spend the time on the activities that are actually really going to move the needle and that can constitute deep work, you're not really going to achieve the results. It's very easy to say, I want X, but if you don't do any activities to, to get towards getting to, to X, you, you're never going to get to X. It's just not possible. It just breaks every rule in terms of how, how we know the universe to work. So with that, I, I think that's, you know, he summarizes that quite nicely. I like the point, the point about embracing boredom as well. And for me, what that means is being a lot more honest with your time. And if you're going to spend, you know, if you really like to be on Pinterest and, and that's what you like doing, then just do it. Just schedule time around that and be almost honest with yourself in terms of that's the time you want to spend on it. And it's, you know, if that constitutes part of your boredom task, cool. Definitely do that, but don't you know? Don't kid yourself in terms of thinking that actually constitutes moving the needle towards something. Unless there's a magic formula around this, and and unless you find that being on Pinterest for two hours a day will actually result in new clients coming into your private practice, then by all means, I would say that that constitutes more the the, the deep work kind of part, and it's something that you can kind of elaborate more on. So in terms of actionable stuff, uh, I mentioned we used a time tracking software. So that's how we do it intentionally in the company. We also, from a categorization perspective in the time tracking um, software, you can kind of categorize the different things that you need to do. Uh, in my case, I kind of split it into almost like business areas, but you can also use the category system that I mentioned towards the beginning of the show in terms of you know, important and, and, and urgent related stuff. And that's pretty much it in terms of it, uh, in terms of, in terms of the, the activities and, and tracking the time around it. It's just for every practitioner to, to look at their time and then firstly come up with what, what is it that they're spending time on and then going from there and then just being a lot more intentional around what constitutes deep work and then just scheduling it in. I think that's a key part as well, is if you're using any type of calendar management system, if the time tracking doesn't work for you, and even if it does, I think it's worth putting it in your calendar and blocking it out and saying, for from seven to nine every morning, I am doing X. And that X, you know, for two hours is your deep work session. And that's how you, you, you'll definitely move the needle towards whatever goals you want to, wanted to achieve with the deep work aspects. Does that make sense, Chef? It makes complete sense. I mean, we use a very similar tool. Uh, we work in sprints. So 
you plan out what needs to be done. And as you go through, what still needs to be done? What are you busy with? And what have you completed? And in doing that, you also get that very clear idea of something that might be important that you may have overlooked. So you can now schedule that in because you've got that dedicated, important, deep work time. So like anything, you do need to plan it out, whether you're planning it daily, weekly, or monthly. If you know what you need to do, you can set the time aside, get it into your calendar, and actually make sure that you do it. If you're shooting from the hip and waking up in the morning and going, okay, well, this is my day, things tend to slip through the cracks. So time tracking software definitely does help. And putting time into your calendar definitely helps because it means you're not tempted to book in a client in that time because you know it's blocked out for admin or it's blocked out for marketing or it's blocked out for research. So you're keeping that time for you to move the needle forward instead of sacrificing it for something else. Yeah, and I think that's just being a lot more intentional with your time. Um, I don't know if we've mentioned it before, but the most important person in the whole room or in the whole world is definitely yourself. And this is another way that you can almost become intentional with the time that you allocate to yourself and not let it be dictated by things that are just happening around you. Obviously things happen and you need to cater for that and, and figure that out. But if you, if you, a lot, if you a lot more intentional about the time, you should be able to get to a state where you at least get it 80 or 90% right with the aim of getting it 100% right if possible. I think I want to leave it there. As always, I mean, we'll reference the, uh, all of the material that we mentioned in, in the show notes. But I think that was really good, a really good uh, discussion around how a practitioner in their private practice can concentrate on the deep work and then definitely move the needle towards any goals that they set for that private practice. Is there anything else you want to close out with, Chess? No, I think we've definitely covered all the points. And if practitioners just take one or two things out of this to be able to help them with that ultimate blueprint and plan that they have for their practice and put some of the principles in place, they can definitely move that needle forward to getting to the practice that they're dreaming of. Okay, thank you. Um, That was an amazing show and I'll catch you on the next one. Catch you next week, Oliver. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. As always, stay tuned and we'll speak to you in the next episode.